I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you decided to join us today. We like to frame our announcements in our five practices. You'll see them on our bulletin boards, on the hallways. You'll see them in the bulletin uh, that you have in your hand, hopefully. You'll see them in the newsletter that comes out each month. And the first of which is radical hospitality. We've got a little bit of a struggle with that. Um, these couple weeks we've had some people um, that were beyond uh, needing a little bit of help and being with us and uh, sort of being around on our campus. So you'll see an elevated presence of our trustees. I don't think it's anything to be concerned about. Um, we have an um, off-duty police officer for a couple of weeks just to deter um, that. We want to be welcoming, but we also want you to feel safe as well. So if you have any questions about that, please ask us. Ask any trustee, ask any staff person, and um, we'll make sure that you understand. Um, but the fun version of Radical Hospitality is uh, Ice Cream Social today, and Aaron Knight, our children and family director, is going to tell you about it. Good morning. I hope you will all plan to join us tonight. Uh, good news is that there is no chance of rain. Bad news is that there's a 100% chance it's going to be hot today. But hopefully it'll be cooling off around 6. Um, that's when we'll start, and ice cream always cools me off. I don't know about you, but that should work pretty well. Uh, join us at Paris Mountain Picnic Shelter number 3. There is an admission fee just to the park itself, um, $5 for adults, $3.25 for seniors, and $3 for children. Um, those under five are free. Um, so join us, bring a dessert. We'll bring the um, drinks and see you there at shelter number three at six o'clock. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. We believe in passionate worship on uh, both of our worship services at 9 o'clock. Uh, it's more of a blended service than this traditional service. And um, you'll see all sorts of announcements on our bulletin board, in the um, bulletin, in our worship services, what we're doing to try to worship passionately. Part of that is our back to school blessing today. Um, so as part of um, when we call you up, uh, Aaron and Katie, our um, youth director and children's director, if you are a student, if you're uh, if if you have a young student who wants you to come with them, if you're a parent of a student, if you're a teacher, if you're an administrator, um, if you're a college professor, we invite you to come forward when we ask for the back to school blessing uh, crowd to come forward and um, we have a liturgy that's in your bulletin to participate. We believe in intentional faith development and um, I want to announce that now when you go to the Sunday Scripture Podcast site, it's sundayscripturepodcast.com, every Tuesday there's a blog that can help you as a Sunday school leader or in your individual walk. There's a podcast that's about 20 minutes long. You can find it on iTunes, anywhere really, um, that will build towards this Sunday. And we're trying to record every Sunday sermon audio-wise. It's already video on our website, but the audio and place that on the podcast website as well. And so if you've missed a week or two, you can go back and listen to everything we've done, go back and read everything we've done. I also want to say thank you as part of this. If uh, Bob and Bobby, if you'll stand up where you are, um, Bob and Bobby McQuaid are in the back there. They are uh, have served in ministry their entire lives in different churches and like um, many of our faithful retirees here have retired to Memorial and done something that they are uniquely passionate for and that is teaching. Bob and Bobby, the first thing I ever saw when I came to Memorial was in the social hall and it was this crazy long timeline pasted against the wall with all kinds of pictures that went along with it. That was Bob and Bobby teaching that day. I instantly wanted to know who that was and what they were contributing to our group. Bob and Bobby are going to teach less this fall, but they're still going to teach in the future. And I'd just like you to express your gratitude for all the years that they've taught for us. If you'll just say thank you. We believe in risk-taking mission and service, and as we come forward, um, we've asked for the blessing. We've asked folks to um, bring. Uh, uh, you, you don't have to bring them as you come forward, but we've brought school supplies that will go to our um, local schools. We also believe in extravagant generosity. You'll find that on the back of your bulletin. And uh, as I said at nine o'clock, if you told me two years ago, as a Cubs fan, that the Cubs were going to win the World Series for the first time in 108 years, I was going to see an total eclipse in my area for the first time in like 300 years and we were going to be ahead of our budget in giving coming out of the summer and you said which one of those is the craziest 
uh, uh, but for all three to happen is, is just an amazing 2017, and I'm grateful for your generosity. You see that we're um, doing well and thankful for that, and you'll see that we'll take that seriously and um, serve this community as, as well as we possibly can. So those are our announcements. Please take your bulletin home with you uh, so you know how to get to the ice cream social. If you'll stand as you're able and join us for our first hymn, number 593. now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. 
from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. The first scripture reading this morning is Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your ways may be known on earth your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm going to call forward Aaron Knight, who's our children's director, and Katie Kate, our youth director, for our back to school blessing. There's an insert in your bulletin. If you'll turn to the back to school blessing liturgy side of it. At this time, I call all students of any age and all teachers to please come forward. God is the source of all wisdom and knowledge. Let us ask God to bless those who seek to learn and those who guide them. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for students as they begin this new school year, that the Spirit of God may grant them the gifts and wisdom of wisdom and understanding. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for teachers, that they may share their knowledge with patience, compassion, and enthusiasm for their students. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all administrators, school leaders, and volunteers, that they ensure a safe and welcoming environment for all. Lord, hear our prayer. Let us pray. Lord our God, in your wisdom and love, you surround us with the mysteries of the universe. Throughout history, you have sent us your prophets to teach your laws and to bear witness to your undying love. Send your spirit upon us all and fill us with your wisdom and blessings that we may serve one another in your community. Remind us that wherever we go, you are always with us. Fill us with the joy of learning so we may be better equipped to be your servants. Amen. Before you return to your seats, 
I ask you each to take one of these. It is a backpack tag um, that will remind you that God is going with you back to school and wherever you go. Um, the front says, I am loved by God and Memorial United Methodist Church. And the back says, teach me your way, O Lord, so that I can walk in your truth. Make my heart focused only on honoring your name, Psalm 86, 11. Uh, you're not ever too old to have one of these. I'll leave the basket here, and if anybody out there wants one to take to work, please take one for that as well. And we want to thank you for your support in bringing school supplies for local school children. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, today we read of great tension, anger, sadness, confusion, and of two sides being wholly convinced that they are right. In this time that we currently find ourselves, Lord, Help us to notice this text, to notice all the elements, to notice your grace and witness, to notice our part. Bless us as we read this text this morning, Lord, as we pray our prayers, as we sing our songs, as we proclaim your word. 
that we may truly feel community and the call to serve as we go forth from this place. It's in your Son's holy name that we pray, who taught his disciples, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Before we have the offering, I want you to turn to page 38 in your hymnal for the reception into membership. And I'd like to invite Dean Coupland to come forward. If you see the back side of your liturgy has information about Dean. Dean is coming from another United Methodist Church, and so the liturgy for him to join our church is rather simple. There is one thing that I'd like you to do, and I have total authorization to tell you to do this. I want you to write in your hymnal, okay? Get a pencil that's in front of you. Some of you may already have this, but if you look in the bold on the bottom, it says, by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service. You see that? Put out from that and our witness. That's the latest part of the United Methodist Liturgy uh, that was approved the last cycle. Come on forward, Dean. So it should say, by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, scratch out and, our service, and our witness. Simon says, write in your hymnal. <laughs> Dean simple question as a member of this congregation will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers your presence, your gifts your service and your witness members of the household of God I commend this person to your love and care do all in your power to increase his faith, confirm his hope, and perfect him in love. We give thanks for all that God has already given you, and we welcome you in Christian love. As members together with you and the body of Christ, and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church, we renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. The God of all grace who has called us to eternal glory in Christ establish you and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit that you may live in grace and peace. Will you welcome Dean? There's a little bit of a note uh, in the bulletin about Dean, but I'll tell you this. You know those people that barely say anything unless you go directly up to them and then ask them a very direct question? And then they've got an ocean of interesting stories. This is Dean. Okay? I got to know him sweating, working, driving to get the wood chips on the CEP playground. They came. The mountain was big that day. And we only had a couple shovels. But we did it. We got all the wood chips on the other side of the fence and spread them out, and I got to know a ton about Dean, who has sailed in some really interesting places around the world. So he's come to church a long time. He's come way before I've come. He's participated um, before I've said anything. But today he's making it official and joining our church, and we're grateful. We're glad to have you. You'll see in the extravagant generosity section, if you'd like to give uh, with an electronic device, there's a way to do that. And if you would like to give as the plate goes by, uh, you're welcome to do that as well. It's now time for our tithes and other offerings.
be seated. We're going to look today at Matthew verse 15, starting with uh, chapter 15, start uh, verse 1, starting with page uh, 1521. Let me start that over. <laughs> We've been around the circle one time. Today we're looking at Matthew chapter 15, starting with verse 1. It's found on page 1521 in your pew Bible, or within a couple of pages of that. Um, I read segments of it, so if you'd like to read along, if you'll keep your Bible open as we read. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So that's a debate that goes way back. It's somewhat convoluted and confusing, but you can know this for certain. You have two sides that know for a fact that they're right, and they'll proclaim that they're right till they die, and they'll say that they're right in the name of God and that they have God's endorsement for their words and their actions. You see anything like that at any point in time? Have you seen anything like that in your local area? Have you seen it on a national scale? Have you seen it on a denominational scale? Have you seen it on television? Two sides convinced that they're right and that the other one is entirely wrong. Let's break it down. First thing is ritual. There's a lot of good things about rituals. I don't know what things you have, whether it be an exercise routine, whether it be the way that you eat breakfast, whether it be what you do with coffee or meditation, whether it be uh, something that you do when you get to work, something that you do when you come to church, the way that you approach this space, what you want to do in this space. The rituals that we have in both of our worship services are designed to take you, as one of my friends is fond of saying, from coming here, which is hard enough, to being here. To being fully present in mind and spirit for what the Word is going to say to you this day. So there's a great amount of good in ritual. It sets the tone for the people of Israel. It sets them apart. Throughout their history, they've either been a tiny nation holding ground on a tiny geographical spot in which other nations were surrounding them, or they've been a totally conquered nation in which the conquering nation took their best and brightest and youngest leaders, took them to indoctrinate them into their way. And so those people, for thousands of years, attempted to follow God through very, very specific rituals. And those rituals set them apart from anyone else and devoted them to God. And it provides a path to seeing God. Just like our worship order in 9 o'clock does. Just like our worship order in 11 o'clock does. The trouble is, when you move from a path that gives you purpose, gives you structure, gives you order, and places you in a spot where you are ready to hear the Word of God, to saying that it is what? The path. The one and only path through which anyone should approach God. And anyone that's not taking that path has therefore gone off the deep end and is somehow warping any message or hope of God. You see that in this text today. When the disciples who are not doing ritual cleansing, not like um, going in and washing your hands for 20 seconds or passing around um, uh, hand sanitizer, which may or may not do any good whatsoever, but a ritual cleansing. 
designed to draw you into a place of gratitude before a meal. And so Jesus' disciples are not doing it to the direct specifications of the religious leaders at that time. And they take issue with it and say, you're supposed to be the fulfillment of everything it is. And you're not following these simple rules. No way. You're the Messiah. Jesus responds to them with the fact that they built up human tradition over time. And built on it, 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 and built on it. And all of a sudden, what they're worshiping is that tradition. Not the God that that tradition was designed to take them towards. The path that was supposed to take them. And he says something pretty harsh. He calls them hypocrites. You ever call somebody a hypocrite? When you see them doing something that is in no way in line with the thing that they said, either privately with you or publicly in a community. I saw a different interpretation of the word hypocrites that goes back to a Greek word that's talking about actors. And you know what actors have to know. This is something, um, I'll have to ask Don again. Is this, is this um, stage right or is that stage right? This is stage right because it's us. Okay. So actors have to know that this is the spot where I need to be in order to deliver this line and I need to be a certain amount of space from that other individual and I need to be a certain amount of space from the set and I need to remember exactly what my line is which builds on the last line which builds towards the next line. And how long do they have to remember that? 60, 90 minutes? And they wear specific clothes, they say specific things, and they hit specific spots as they're saying them. Then they leave the stage, they put on the clothes that they want to wear, they go out and they're themselves. Nothing wrong with that. What Jesus is saying is, you religious leaders are actors on a stage for about 90 minutes. And then when you leave that space, you aren't even close to what God wants you to do. Does that make sense? He says, you're actors. You've learned the words. You've learned the steps and the spots. And for a period of time, you play a part. But you are not followers of God. And you know what? Prophets throughout history have said to humans, your worship isn't what I want it to be. Here's one of the harshest versions. Amos 5 21 to 27. This is a prophet speaking to people about their worship of God. Imagine hearing this about your 11 o'clock worship service. I hate. I reject your festivals. I don't enjoy your joyous assemblies. If you bring me entirely burned offerings and gifts of food, I won't be pleased. I won't even look at your offerings of well-fed animals. Take away the noise of your songs. I won't listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings during the 40 years of the wilderness, house of Israel? You'll take up offerings for your king, but you'll take up offerings for the star God as well. Therefore, I'll take you away from the Lord whose name is of heavenly forces. What if the prophet said that about our anthem? I don't care about your song. I don't care about your prayer. I don't care about your sermon. What would it be like to hear that from the voice piece of God? Well, sometimes you have to hear it. Sometimes you have to hear it because it's not about the quality of what you put together for a 60 to 75 minute period He's talking about the actions that you take, the words that you say when you leave that space. He says, so I don't care how pretty it is in this moment, though it is pretty. If you don't live it out when you leave the space. Verse 10. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth that's what defiles them. That is a shocking statement. 
because you have a faith, you have a community built on the most specific rules humanly possible for dietary consumption. You may give you a, a snapshot. Y'all ever say, I'm going to read the Bible in a year. It's like saying I'm going to run a marathon and in the first two to five miles, it's like this. Because Leviticus... But if you see Leviticus as a total desire to try to live exactly the way that God wants, to be completely and wholly devoted by word, by diet, by sleep, by action, then you see why they do it. But listen to this. This is Leviticus 11.9. These you may eat, whatever's in the water, all that have fins and scales, those in the water. In the seas or in the rivers you may eat, but whatever is in the seas and in the rivers that does not have fins and scales among all the teeming life of water and among all the living creatures that are in the water, they are detestable things to you. Does that speak to you when you go to the seafood restaurant? How many of you, when you go to the seafood restaurant, eat things exclusively with fins and scales? Not me. <laughs> I don't like things with fins and scales. I don't like it. But these people in their devotion to God said, we're going to have a specific diet to show it. It's going to be in every phase of our life. It also turns out it's very healthy. This diet. And when they have surrounding nations with different standards, and when those surrounding nations conquer them and take their brightest leaders, interesting things happen. Daniel was one of those conquered people. And if you read the book, it's not very complicated, not very long. Daniel is conquered by a king who sweeps in and takes everybody. And the king has a big banquet table for these new young leaders trying to indoctrinate them into their system and says, everybody eat. There's all kinds of stuff that is not on the list. You ever have to say you're on a specific diet and you can't eat what the whole group is eating? Yeah, me neither. <laughs> uh, mostly. Uh, Daniel says, can't eat it. you imagine saying that to the king that just conquered you? At the king's table? I can't eat it. But over time, they see Daniel as healthier than they are. And he starts to convince them this is a better diet. So that's, that's just a little background as to the significance of what Jesus is saying. It's what comes in your mouth. That's what they would think. It's what comes in your mouth, it's what you touch with your hands that defiles you and we've got an ocean of rules to make sure that you understand exactly what you are and are not supposed to do. Jesus says, nope. It's simpler than that. It's the words that you say to one another. Hmm. <laughs> you think, well, can I eat fish and be mean to people? Because that's what I was doing before. I was being healthy in what I ate and I could say whatever I wanted about other people. He says, no. No, it's what you say to other people about them or about other people. That's what defiles you. And let me expand on it. It's what you type. It's what you text. It's what you put on social media. It's what you expand on social media, something else that someone negative has said. And guess what? If you have uh, several people that are friends with you on that social media, or you have several people that are on a group email, or you have several people that are on a group text, or you have several people in a meeting around a table, and you say something, as harsh as could possibly be or undercuts or demeans another individual. He's, Jesus is saying, that's what defiles you. There's no mistaking it. You who are trying to gather and do the will of God. You ever see something escalate in an email? Especially a group one? Man, it goes fast. You ever look at comments on Facebook that are just two or three deep on a post on either side? It can get harsh in a hurry. And Jesus is saying, it's not about what you do in worship for a certain period of time and then go out and say what you say, because if it is, then you're actors in a play on Sunday morning for one hour. Verse 12. 
Then the disciples came to him and said, You know the Pharisees were offended when they heard this. Or do you think they said it differently? You know the Pharisees were offended when they heard this. Or, oh, you know the Pharisees were offended when they heard this. I don't know which one. He replied, Every plant that my Heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall in the pit. It's a word of caution. <laughs> None of us are Jesus. Right? We don't have the full scope of what God is trying to do. None of us sacrificed like Jesus. Therefore, none of us could make as swift a judgment as Jesus did about these religious leaders. He knows. Do we? Mm -mm. No, we don't know for certain. But we certainly speak like we do. We certainly text like we do. We certainly post like we do. He says, there needs to be fruit. There needs to be fruit and it has to be your actions and your words. And to be clear, it's not about showing fruit through your actions and your words that God may love you. It's already been established throughout Scripture. God already loves you. It's if you're responding to the love that God has given you, there has to be fruit in your actions and your words in terms of overcoming, overcoming your personal preferences with another individual and offering peace to them. So what can we do to avoid spiritual blindness? Because that's what he says. They're the blind leading the blind. Well, I think we had to be careful with a couple things. You know those favorite buttons on your radio? You know what I'm talking about? You might have three, you might have five, you might have six, you might have 12. If you don't know what I'm talking about and you'd like help with your favorite buttons on your car radio, I'd be glad to help you. You know that favorite button? You know that DVR button on your, uh, on your cable remote? Both of those tools give you a really convenient way to only listen to the thing that you want to listen to. Am I right? How many radio stations are there that you truly want to listen to on the radio? Say there's 25. <laughs> Over or under two and a half that you truly listen to. So we get those favorites so that when we're driving on 29 and there's a song that comes up that we're not necessarily into, we want to switch it, we can switch very quickly to another one. And what we can do is lock ourselves, as Katie does, my wife, in some strange reason, in the 1980s. All we have to ever hear is songs from the 1980s. Or we can lock ourselves in the 1990s. Or we can lock ourselves in the 1950s. Am I judging that? In no way, shape, or form. And I actually have this conversation with Renessa and Don and Caitlin in our 9 o'clock service all the time. Because we consistently want to strike a balance between giving you a new song that presses our library out further and is directly related to the text, but you're most likely to sing to what? A song you know stone cold that you love. Same thing's true on the radio. Very rarely do you hear a new song on the radio and you are instantly in. You go, nah, nah, nah. go to the next one. And then you hear one that you love and you tune in. How's that work on the television? How many channels do you truly watch on television? Or on your Roku, or on your Apple TV, whatever it may be. Do these channels expand your worldview or contract your worldview based on repetition? How many of you love reruns? I'd watch Seinfeld over and over. You might watch Cheers over and over. You might watch uh, Law and Order over and over, even if you know who won. You might watch a game over and over, and you just set your DVR to record. Nothing wrong with that. But there are channels that give us specific opinions on current events 
that if you stick with that channel and that channel alone and you have the belief before you watch that channel and you affirm your belief as, to, as you watch that channel and you're strengthening your belief after you watch that channel and you turn to it again and again and again and again can there be trouble in that? You know what those channels have to do? Those channels have to come up with 24 hours of content. What if you had to talk to somebody for 24 hours? What if you had to fill 24 hours with content? Even with someone you loved deeply. You know what they have to do after they fill 24 hours of content? Tomorrow they have to fill another 24 hours of content. You know what they know for a fact? That things are bombarding you all the time. And so, like um, our girls at 6.30 p.m., when Katie's come home from work, and they're trying to get her attention, and they go, hey, 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 mama, 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 mama. And what does she do? <laughs> I'll tell you exactly what she does. <laughs> or I walk in the door first five minutes. They want to get your attention. So what those channels do is consistently look for ways to give you crazy stimuli to make sure you do what? Do what any channel hopes you'll do is keep watching and keep recording and stay there. So if you are consistently looking at the exact same thing, listening to the same thing, saying the same thing, and getting uh, further and further inside, is there any chance that you might be blind to a certain area, regardless of what side you're on? Let's not cut ourselves off. Let's be curious. Let's figure we have a weakness. Let's picture it not being all or nothing. Let's consider we might be acting on a stage. Unless if we have two things, if we've got a simple math problem, and we have scripture on one side and our own personal experience on the other, if there's a greater than sign, truly, which way is the alligator facing? Is it facing on trying to be in the midst of Scripture or simply affirming your actual experience? It's a question we've got to ask consistently, faithfully, and with the help of our very God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you will join me as you're able uh, for Psalm number 98, please stand.
want to try something. It might be a little logistically difficult. This is a one-time thing. It's the only time this year I'm going to ask you to do this. I want you to go to the outer part of the pew and get in one big circle around the outside of our, uh, around the outside of the space. Just take a minute and help anyone uh, that needs help getting there. If you'll, one, as best we can, one big circle, I know the choir needs to stay. And if y'all, the acolytes will go out in the middle. Right now. So we've got plenty of space, so if you can spread around in a circle. Or oval. And y'all can come down. Come on down. Go ahead and spread out so that people have plenty of space. Keep going. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. And let's stop right here and we'll count that the choir is right there. If you look across this circle at people, there are people who watch MSNBC. If you look across this circle at people, there are people who watch Fox News right here in the room. If you look across this circle, there's people who watch CNN. So the things that you say about those people are things you're saying about people in this room. Now to start with, I'd love you to think about the people in this room as you say them and think them and retweet them and repost them. But as soon as we've done that for about five minutes, I want you to think about people who are outside this circle in this community. Broken human beings who have all fallen short of the glory of God yet been accepted by Jesus Christ into this family. Be curious. Don't be convinced. Don't hit send rather than hitting send. And pray to God that you may understand Scripture better than you understand your own experience. And pray that someone else may understand Scripture better than they understand your experience. And pray that you may understand them more than they understand you. You know who did that? The one who called us here. And if we can't do that, at least on a small scale to start with, then we're acting for 60 minutes on a very pretty stage. Go forth in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence go with you all, that you may offer it to others. Amen.